Michelle McCollum. I'm sitting here with my dad, Dudley Hall, and you're joining us for an episode of Papa, I Have a Question. This is where I just get to sit here and ask my dad theological questions, biblical interpretation questions, questions about my daily life. I realized growing up that I've had the privilege and the blessing of having um, immediate access to a great Bible teacher and theologian, um, a man of wisdom and character. And so when I'm struggling with something or I don't understand what the Bible says in a certain area, I've been able to say, hey, help me here. I have a question. Um, and as an educator, I know that if one person has a question, usually there are other people that have that same question. So we're inviting you to join us today as I ask, Papa, I have a question. Okay, what's up today? Okay, so this is a biblical interpretation question. I'm struggling with 1 John um, chapter 2. And um, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but I, what I'm struggling with here is it says... John is saying, I'm writing to you so that you don't sin, but if you do sin. So what I'm hearing is, hey, I'm, I want to encourage you not to walk in sin, mm -hmm. but I know that you're going to sin. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on very beautifully to talk about, but when you do sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who has paid the price for everyone. And it's really, really beautiful. Um, but then it, then it goes on to say that if you say you know him, but do not keep his commands, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. So I think I'm feeling condemnation because I, I feel you should be able to not sin, but you're probably going to sin anyway. But if you say that you know him and you're still not following the commandments, you're a liar. And I'm just struggling. With, I, I know that that I know condemnation is not there. Right. It shouldn't be, but I feel it as I read this text. So help me know what is he really saying? And I see the piece of good news in there, but help me know how to flesh the whole thing out. Well, I think John is writing so that we can enjoy the fellowship with the father and the son, the same fellowship that the father has with the son he's offered to us. That, that's chapter one. Right. So if you walk in that light of that, then you can have fellowship with the son. So he's saying, I'm writing these things to you so that you are not locked into a life of sin, of always missing mm. God. Mm. If you if you get this truth that I'm telling you and you embrace that, then you're not locked into that. Mm. You, uh, you, you don't have to. And so this is the way out of living in that misconception mm. and in that uh, unbelief. Okay. So, but if you sin, when you sin, because in chapter one, he said, if you say you've not sinned, you make him liar. Right. So, so none of us have, have made it without sinning. Right. So when you sin, uh, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Yeah. So he's an advocate. He stands in for us. His righteousness stands in for our righteousness. So I'm not judged on how, how well I'm doing. Which answers the second question, okay, is my keeping his word, is that making me righteous? No, Jesus yeah, made me right. righteous. Yeah. But if I am, if I'm embracing uh, his forgiveness, his love, his unconditional love, the fact that he is advocating for me, if I am embracing that, then uh, I'm telling the truth when I say I believe in him. But if I say... You know what? 
I don't believe any of that works. I don't believe Jesus is the one who came and paid for my sin. I don't believe that he advocates for me. I don't believe that. Then you are, you're lying. You're, you're, you know, to say you're a Christian then would be contradictory. Mm. So, uh, so it's not saying you don't ever mess up. You don't ever misconceive that you don't ever stumble, that you don't ever sin. But, but it's saying that if you are choosing a course of life that denies the gospel, mm. you're a liar. You're, you're not a believer. So he's writing to some people who have been, have been influenced by a doctrine or a teaching that is just saying you can be a Christian if you, you know, do buy, certain things. Do certain things. And so he's trying to help us to define what does it mean? Mm. And he says it, it can be summed up in these. To, to be a Christian, to be a believer in Christ, is to have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. It is to be assured that my sins are no longer the issue, mm-hmm. that what I have done is not the issue. Jesus is taking care of those. And that he is my advocate so that when I do sin, I have a priest who's standing there taking my case before the Lord. And because of that, because he loves me that way, he has imparted his love to me, and therefore I am now able to love like he loves. So he goes on to say some other things that you could be condemned about. It's like <laughs> if you don't if you don't love one another, you're a liar. Mm. What's he saying? It means you're not being loved. It means you're not mm. buying into, you're not embracing, mm. you're not believing the fact that he has he has loved you that way. Mm. And and so if if I refuse to love, then I am it's evidence that I have cut off his love to me mm-hmm. because if, if I'm aware that he is loving me, if I'm abiding in that love, I can't help but love. Mm. Okay. Let me see if I, if I'm hearing you correctly, I think oftentimes I think of the word sin as actions or lack of actions. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in what we're saying here is that sin is believing incorrectly. Yeah. Sin is not believing that Jesus has done what Jesus did and that that takes care of all of the actions or lack of actions. Yeah. And so the, the, the liar part, you are a liar. It's not because I messed up yesterday or I messed up this morning or I yelled at my kid today. It's because I am not believing that Jesus is who he says he is and has accomplished what he says he accomplished. So I'm lying about him. Yes. Who he is and what it does for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's th- big. Yeah, it is big. Yeah. And I think it is important that we de- we define sin according to the book that it's in here. Because John has said in his Gospels, mm-hmm. th- these are his letters here. Are reading. In his Gospel, John has said, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. Mm-hmm. So he's defining sin in terms of belief. Uh, Either you accept Jesus as the payment for your sin, mm-hmm. or you're, or you're not accepting that. So that's sin. Mm-hmm. Sin is unbelief. Now, if you live in unbelief, you will you will commit a bunch of other uh, transgressions. You right. you'll commit a bunch of other evil things. Yeah. But but uh, to 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 sin is to un, is unbelief. So that that. Colors what he's saying here as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. And if if sin is a transgression of the law, which he mentions in this letter, and Jesus has already fulfilled the law, 
then that sin is not, is not an issue. He's the advocate. He's taking care of that. Yeah. So, uh, so, so one of the, what John is saying here is you can live. It's possible for you to live without a consciousness of your guilt and shame and mm-hmm. condemnation. He has made it possible for you to live thinking of him, thinking of his mission, thinking of the privilege of being a partner with him, thinking of being his son, focusing on the giftings and the callings that he has in you instead of always going, i got to go do with my sin again. I have sinned. Oh, gosh, I've messed up so bad. You won't believe what went through my mind today. You won't believe what I said to my neighbor you won't believe what I felt when that car cut me off on the road. You, you, you know, you won't believe yeah. what when my husband said so and so. I wanted to cut his throat, but I know that's it. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have to live with that consciousness of I got to be perfect. I've got to. I got to be improved. He said, "Let's get sin off the off the table. Yeah. Sin is not the big issue here. It, it is what God has done, and the fact that He has made it possible for you to live conscious of Him." and what he wants you to do rather than conscious of sin. That's so good. That's so opposite of, you know, what I was struggling with was there's condemnation here, and I know there shouldn't be. And it's actually, no, uh, this this passage is to free us from that yeah. condemnation, to free us. And I think that's so good, just that little just that little defining of the word sin. Um, I, want, I just want to say to those of you who also struggle with certain passages, if you're reading something and feeling condemnation, your perspective on that passage needs to tweak. There yes. needs to be a, a verb or a word defined a ver- because when we're reading the passages, they should always free us from condemnation and point us to exhilaration, inspiration. Yeah. What has he done for us that's so amazing and so great? And so it's easy even for someone who's been reading the Bible my whole life, it's easy to get caught in these words and go, what is he actually saying? This sounds opposite. This sounds contradictory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear people say that all the time. The Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. You know, yeah, you're you're so right. God does not speak the language condemnation of condemnation. Mm -hmm. That's right. Romans 8. You say, where do you get that? Romans 8. There is therefore now no. no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, and, and some people go, yeah, but it goes to those who walk according to the, the Spirit. <laughs> if you're not walking in the Spirit, enough, no, no, he's just defining who he's talking to here. He's not mm-hmm. giving you a condition. Mm-hmm. So so uh, what you're saying is so good. If you read a text and you hear condemnation, that wasn't God because he doesn't even speak the language. Right. Right. Th- that language was wiped out when Jesus died on the cross and God said, that's enough. Yeah. I accept that. So he doesn't speak condemnation. So if you're in condemnation, you know it didn't come from God. Mm-hmm. So where did it come from? Might have come from the guy who does all the accusing, the mm-hmm. accuser, mm-hmm. Satan. Yeah. That's so. a good point. So this is just a strategy from me to you. If you read something and you're feeling... Um, condemnation or accusation, flag it and know, I I read that wrong. I'm missing definitions or I'm missing some context, flag it. Reread it, knowing with the perspective of God does not speak the language of condemnation. So what is he saying? If you still hear condemnation, ask for help. Just like I (laughs) ask, Papa, I have a question. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think good. it's important. It's yeah, important it for us to to realize it's never going to say this. Right. So if you heard this, keep keep digging. Keep digging. Yeah, and it, you know, I don't want to give the devil any uh, any press here, but there is a, we are in a cosmic war, and there mm-hmm. is a lion walking around looking. And so, if he can find somebody vulnerable to condemnation, he'll twist the scripture just like Absolutely. that. Make it like, oh my gosh, I got more to do. Yeah. No, when Jesus when Jesus had done it, he said it's finished. Mm-hmm. It's finished. It's all done. It's all done. Mm-hmm. I get to live in the benefits of it, and. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Thanks for helping me with that passage. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Join us again for an episode of Papa, I Have a Question.